Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right, we are glad that you are here. We are continuing our series, The Quest, as you see, and uh, we're talking about different uh, stories, movies that uh, bring to mind the idea of a quest. It's a journey that's difficult that you've got to go on, but it's full of all sorts of things, growing opportunities, and what we're talking about specifically this time or during the series is for us the quest to get financially healthy in a way that honors God, and we've been talking about that for the past few weeks, and I'll be honest, I'm standing up here with a different feeling than I normally ever have when I stand up in front of a a group of people and and talk about uh, things about God. I I have a feeling of like nervousness and hesitancy that I haven't had in a long time. And I'll be honest, because many times when it comes to things of scripture, I've devoted my life to try to get deeper and deeper into God's word. And I don't have it all figured out by any stretch, but I, I dig in as much as I can week after week. And many times I've studied something, I've questioned, I've had people push back against me and I've pushed back against things that I wasn't sure about. And I dug down deeper and I come away feeling pretty strong that, hey, I'm teaching what God's word is saying. But today, Today, I, I struggled. I, I really struggled. I, I, I stand up here and I'm like, I don't know if I'm the best person to talk about this. Because the book that we're using is this book called The Quest. Imagine that. It's by a guy named by the name of uh, Darren Key. He's the CEO of uh, Christian Financial Resources. It's a Christian lending group that helps plant churches and help build churches and do all sorts of things to help ministry just take place. They're one of the partners that helped get us launched, and it, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. It's a really great book. I encourage you to get it. Later on, we'll show you a QR code if you want to order it. It's like 10 bucks off of Amazon. It's a super short read. I have developed over the past like 10 years uh, reading ADD, and so it's hard for me to read a lot of the time now. Uh, and so this is a super easy read, but it's got some some great principles. But we are talking about this, and I stand up here for this particular part. We're talking about investing. And I'll be honest, I, it, it's hard for me because I have not invested a lot of money. And I'm just being, if, if you've been here more than a minute, one of the things you'll know about me is I try to be real. I don't try to stand up here and try to tell you that I've got it all together. Uh, I am a believer that if you go to a church and that especially a leader stands up and tries to make you think that they've got it all together and got all the answers, you need to run. You'd be like, you need to run because they, God is the only one that has all the answers. And so what I did this week was I dug in, I prayed, and and I came away with, I believe, a message that maybe we need to hear. Um, When I first got married a long time ago, it's funny how I've aged, my wife hasn't, but you know, that's just the miracle of, you know, of women, right? Um, But many years ago, right after we got married, I said, I'm going to go and sit down with a financial advisor. I went and sat down, and this person just, I mean, just exploded with joy. They were like... It is the most amazing. I was like 23 years old, newly married, and I was wanting to talk about investing. And they're like, you are a genius. It is perfect that you are here. You're getting started now. You just don't know how far ahead of the game you're going to be in investing and saving for your future. And I was like, yeah, man. I was pumped. I was like, yeah, I am kind of the man, aren't I? I I am a genius. I, I was thinking that. And you guys are probably thinking the same thing. And good looking. A genius and good looking. Just what do you, what do you know? Okay, it really hurts my feelings. Y'all don't even snicker because that means you think it's not true at all. But anyway, 
I was thinking, man, I'm pretty smart. I, it's a good thing I'm here. And I walked out, and I invested zero dollars. Because I told myself, well, you know, we're just getting started. You know, oh, man, you got to buy a car. You got to do this. Then kids come in the picture. And there's always a reason, right? There's always a reason. Oh, you know, you get to the end of the month, there's not enough money. And it's like, oh, I, I didn't invest. I, I'll invest next month. I'll start, I'll start next month. Just, you know, $25 or $50 or $100. I'll start, I'll start next month. I'll start next month. And I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of investments. I really haven't. I shared last week that before we got involved in coming to plant a church, we got out of debt. And for the most part, we stayed out of debt, except our mortgage, you know. I mean, there's been times that we go into debt, medical debt, things like that, but we try to get right back out. But one part of my life where I struggle is this. And can I be really, really honest? It's not just the fact that, you know, we decided, you know, we made choices that have made it a little tighter for our family financial. I'm not complaining. I'm just being, you know, open and giving you a little picture of, of us. You know, we said early on, my wife decided to stay home and, and, uh, and help our children go through school, homeschool our kids. And, you know, I, I chose a career that isn't always very lucrative unless you're one of the guys on TV that's asking for a jet all the time. You know, but, I mean, I, we're, we're very well taken care of. But, you know, we've made choices that we said we're going to make our wallet a little bit tighter, right? We knew it. We, we knew what we're getting into. But there's another reason that I've honestly struggled a little bit with the idea of investing. It's because I read scripture and I see things that Jesus talked about. Like in Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a story or a parable about a rich man who said, look, I've got all this stuff. Look what I've done. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns. And you know what Jesus said about him? He said, you fool. Is what, you know, God says to him in this, this story. He's like, you fool. You know, this very night, your life is going to be demanded from you. You're going to die. And I hear stories like that, and I'm like, well, okay. Is, then I'm really godly, right? I'm not saving any money, right? Maybe. I don't know. And then a little bit later in that same chapter, Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about not worrying about food or clothing and trusting for the Lord's provision. And so if I'm being truly honest, I'm just talking out loud here with you guys. If I'm being truly honest, I'm like, is it spiritual to really worry about the future a lot, you know? And it, so it's been a struggle. And so I'm telling you, it was a battlefield in my mind and my heart this week as I was preparing this guy, you know, in this story that Jesus talked about, he, um, you know, he wasn't focused on the right things, but I take a deeper look at what Jesus says. In this example of the rich man, I realized that the issue was not with him having stuff. It's the focus and intent of his stuff. He wanted it all for himself. That's the problem. That's the problem. It wasn't the fact that the guy had stuff. Jesus wasn't saying if you have stuff that you're evil or you're wicked or you're not faithful or you're not spiritual. He's saying, but if the intent of all your stuff is just for you and to give yourself pleasure and to pat yourself on the back and say, look what I've done, you know, any number of these answers, then that's what the problem is. And then look what Jesus says in verse 20. Jesus says, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You see, this guy's treasure that Jesus is talking about was solely for himself and he was not rich toward God. And just as important, I believe, 
I believe we shouldn't miss this point. This guy didn't realize the brevity of his own life. He didn't realize how brief his own life was and that he should be preparing for eternity. He was focused on only the stuff that was right here and now. But then what about the rest of that chapter? You know, you see Jesus uh, teaching us to put him first and, and he'll provide what we need. It says there in verse 31, instead seek his kingdom and these things will be added unto you. You know, one translation says all these things will be added unto you. So when you put God first and trust him to provide, then everything else you get, you know, he'll provide it. He'll provide it when you need it. Maybe not all your wants, but when you need it, what you need. And here's another thing I think we need to learn. Sometimes God provides just enough. And sometimes God provides extra. Either way, we've got to learn to say, praise God. If it's just enough, you know, I mean, if it's almost miraculous that you make it through the end of your month financially, praise God for it because he provided it. If he gives you extra upon extra upon extra, not just this month, but next month and the next month and the next month, praise God. Don't begin to think that it came because of you. It's God that is doing it. So I believe this leads us to a, a, another revelation that I had in my wrestlings. We're all investing in something. Every single one of us are investing in something. But the question is this, are, are y'all with me? What are you investing in? What are you, what am I investing in? We're all investing in something. Whether you have, because of life circumstances or, you know, looking at Scripture and not being sure, is it right to invest in the future, you've got to realize the truth that you're investing in something. And you need to answer what that thing or those things are. I want you to answer this question in two ways this morning. Here's my challenge for all of us. I want you to answer it in two ways. I want you to answer it financially. You know, we're just, we are. We're going to answer it financially. But I also want you to answer this question spiritually. You know, some of us are investing our finances in the future, and, and that's great. You know, you're simply, uh, you know, you're simply doing it for yourself, though, maybe, or you're simply doing it for your families, and, and that's not so great. Some of us are investing our money in the here and now, and we're just investing in our stomachs, and we're investing in our cars, and we're investing in trips and vacations, or some of us are just investing in simply keeping the lights on. But we're investing in something, you know? We're just investing in the here and now. And this can be, you know, because of life circumstances, you know, a lot of troubles have hit you, and so you're just investing in the right now just because that's all you've got to invest in, and, and that's okay, we'll, we'll talk about that. Some people, we invest in the right here and the right now because we're just investing, and we're thinking just about worldly stuff. You know, we want to, you know, be a baller and a shot caller, we want to be, you know, you know we want to be a big spinner, we want to make it rain, we want to do all that, we want to be the most popular person, we want to be the most envied person, we want people to look at us and be like, ooh, I want to be like him or her. And we're, we're worldly in that sense. And some of us are investing just simply because of bad choices. We don't know what to do or we've made bad choices. Or maybe it's a combination of some of those, two of those, or three of those. But regardless, we're investing in right now. And that's why we talk about a spending plan. Remember I don't say the dirty word budget, you know, that scares some people? Somebody came up to me after that was like, yeah, I freak out when people talk about budget. So I was like, ah, I tricked you, <laughs> you know? A spending plan, tell you, decide where your money's going to go each week. That's why we do that. So we don't simply have enough for today. We all need one. 
And some of us are investing our finances in the future while putting God first. There's people all across the spectrum, if you will. There's people all across the spectrum. But what are you investing in spiritually? Are you investing in this life right here and now? Are you investing in all this stuff? And I'll go ahead and and tip my hand. You probably know this. You guys are smart. You probably saw this coming. But a lot of what you're investing in spiritually comes out and is shown through your money, your time, and your talents. How you're investing those things. So the question is, are you investing in right here and right now with your life and all of your energy and all that sort of stuff spiritually? Or are you putting your time, your energy, and yes, your money into helping people spend eternity with God? That's the couple of questions that we want to answer. So we're all investing in something, and we've got to understand that. Can we answer honestly what we're investing our money and our eternity in? That's the real question. It's easy to fool yourself, probably more than anybody else. Can I get an amen on that? If you're not willing to say amen, it's probably because you don't realize you're lying to yourself a lot. <laughs> now, you might be really honest, you might be really introspective, you might be, but there are things in your life, there are things in my life that are, you know, people call them blind spots, right? You don't realize your weaknesses until somebody who loves you enough to point them out to you points them out to you. And so we have to understand and really take a look, and we need to answer these questions truthfully and honestly. How am I investing my money? How am I investing spiritually? How am I investing any of these things? Are we, am I investing them in the right here and the right now, or am I investing them in eternity? I want to share just a few ideas with you about investing your money uh, from Darren's book that we mentioned, The Quest. This sermon series has been uh, very much based on this. It's, it's a really good book. And I want to share a couple of ideas about investing in eternity. I'm going to try to get through this really quick. And I know you've all heard preachers say that, even me, many times. We're going to try to make it quick. So listen quick, okay? Y'all with me? Quicker, quicker, quicker. All right? So first, as I said earlier, I want to encourage you, uh, hop on Amazon and, and pick up this book. Ten bucks, it's not bad at all. You can get the Kindle version, I think, for like $6.99. I think there's a QR code, maybe. Um, maybe, maybe not. If there is, it'll appear. If not, ah, there you go. Um, but there's a quick link to that book if you want to get that. Because I'm not going to go into all the details that he gives. Even though it's a brief book, a brief chapter, I'm not going to go into all the details of investing, the, the nuts and bolts. That's a good tool for you to get, though. Because, number one, it would bore you to tears. And, number two, I'm not an expert to explain it. He explains it well, and I'm afraid it would get lost in translation. You understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to give you just a few ideas, though, that I think will hopefully help you get in the right frame of mind. At least it helped me, and so that's why I want to pass it along. The first thing is this. You should save. I should save. We should all save. Um, I do believe in uh, an emergency fund, and I've done pretty well at that at times. That's something that many people say, but Dave Ramsey is well known for that if you're familiar with Financial Peace University. Get an emergency fund financially. Dave Ramsey suggests $1,000 to start. And depending on what your financial situation is, depending on how old you are, that might be terrifying. When we were really in a tight place financially, beginning to do financial peace, it was like $1,000. I'm like, $100 is a struggle, right? 
And they, you know, people were talking about, I remember one of the things, they were like, well, me and my wife, you know, we sit down, we talk about finances. We don't spend over $1,000 without really talking about it. I'm like, we don't spend 10 cents without talking about it. Y'all crazy. Y'all got big money. I don't have that. But now, uh, you know, it's a little more comfortable because we've learned to save. So save $1,000 in case of emergency. It needs to be in a savings account. It needs to be somewhere where it doesn't get touched. Because I don't know about y'all, but have you ever tried saving money in your checking account? And then you go to Starbucks. And then you go to Target. Then you go to, you know, you go to the tire place. You go to all this place. That money's just gone. It's just gone. You see that money running away. Put it in a savings account so it doesn't just go away and maybe even into your stomach like as one of our big struggles. Save that $1,000, get started. But that's not where you end. The idea or the goal is to work yourself up to eventually having six months, six months of your expenses. Now, here's a little trick. To know that, you're going to need a spending plan. Remember the, the B word? You're going to need that so you know what your expenses are. But you want to maybe start off two to three months and then make a goal to get to six months. And then here's the other cool little trick. You take five months of that worth money, make sure that's in savings, and keep one month of extra emergency fund in the checking. Because at this point, you've got that good little nest egg saved up, this little cushion, this emergency fund, and you know a quick trip to Starbucks won't blow it out. You know, you'll be okay. You've got that. But you've got it saved away. You've got it there to save yourself. Now, here's a big thing. This is key. This is key. And this is something that I've struggled with and we're still trying to make sure we work out. Remember what an emergency is. An emergency is not, ooh, a boat. <laughs> you know? An emergency is not, them shoes are on sale, girl. <laughs> you know? That's not an emergency. An emergency is not even new tires on your car. Because guess what? We all need new tires from time to time. That's not an emergency. Now, a tire might blow out, and you know, that might be an emergency. You know, two weeks after you get a brand new set or something, you never know what can happen. That's an emergency, but know what an emergency is. Prepare your mind. This is what this money will be used for. Otherwise, make room in your spending plan for that. Set aside money to buy new tires every whatever you need them. You know, if you're like me, six years. No, I'm just kidding, not that bad. Some of y'all can relate, some of y'all can't relate. So it's okay, we're all different. But we set aside that money to prepare. And I have to throw this in. An emergency is not you're inviting people over for the Super Bowl a couple weeks ago and your TV's not big enough. I don't know who needs to hear that, but I'll just say that. It's not a bigger TV, that's not an emergency. Y'all are tough this morning, y'all know that? I thought that would at least get a little bit of a, a whimper. But losing your job, the AC going out in the house, those things are emergencies. But once you get saving into your life, here's where I think it's really exciting. You can start to have an opportunity fund. An opportunity fund is, you know, have you ever been going through life and, you know, uh, you're sitting there and some friends say, hey, we're going to take this big trip together. And you're like, you look at your bank account and like, you're talking about a trip to Walmart? 
No, we're talking about a trip to the Bahamas, you know? But you cannot participate because you don't have any extra. And so once you start getting that savings done, then you can actually start saving for things that are fun and you can enjoy. You can start saving for things like helping people as a need comes up, you know? How many times have you ever experienced that? You hear about somebody going through something horrible and you're like, man, I would love to help financially, but I cannot because I just don't have money. You ever been there? Y'all, I need to hang out with y'all more often because y'all got it all together. Y'all never experienced tight budgets. (laughs) But no, we've been there, right? We've all been there. And so it's like, I want to be able to help. And so once you get that saving under your belt, you can start doing the opportunity fund and you can help people as time comes up. You know, I've loved to be or longed to be one of those people. I I try to give very generously and very faithfully, but I've longed to be one of those people that, you know, uh, one of our missionaries that we support sends word that they have something go on. I'd love to be one of those people that's like, oh, here's a thousand bucks. I can just give a thousand dollars like it's nothing on top of everything else I do. I can just give a thousand dollars, but that's what I want to do. Y'all, y'all forgive me, I'm getting a little bit emotional because this is the next step that I need to take. And I, if you're not there, I want you to take it with me. And when you save, you can do that. Now, if you need biblical evidence, I'll be honest, I haven't talked about a lot. Of, I've talked about some verses of Scripture here, but I want to give you a good, I believe, example of seeing this principle in action from the Bible. Think about Joseph. Do you remember Joseph from the Old Testament? Joseph goes and he, you know, he's sold into slavery. He ends up going to Egypt. He ends up becoming, you know, second in command in all of Egypt. And then Pharaoh has these dreams and, you know, he wants to know what the dreams are. Joseph tells him what the dreams are. And he says, there's going to be a famine coming. There's going to be seven good years and there's going to be seven really bad years. And so then Pharaoh is in love with the fact that he interprets the dream because nobody else could. And he puts him in charge of making a plan. And he makes this great plan to save all this food, all this stuff so that they won't be affected by it. And so when everybody else is just destroyed and just uh, the land is desolate and drought ridden and famine ridden, Egypt was thriving because Joseph trusted God and saved. And in Genesis 41 verse 54, it says that very clearly. It says, and the seven years of famine began to come as Joseph had said. There was famine in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. There was plenty of food, it says in other translations. You see, God blessed him, and later on, his family, if you know the rest of the story, how it all comes, his family ends up coming back to him, and they get restored with one another. All of this happened because he, you know, he saved, he saved. And I want to tell you something else that's really cool, is that the lineage of Jesus was secured because he saved and allowed himself to just trust God in his timing. It's such a cool thing to think about. Investing is also something extremely wise. I'll be honest, this is not the most dynamic sermon I've ever preached in my life, but it's important. It's important. Investing is also extremely wise. And this is where I really love for you to dig into his really still brief explanation in this book if you need some ideas about godly investing. But let me just whet your appetite for just a second if, if need be, if you need that done. We talked about Jesus in his parable of the talents uh, from Matthew 25 a couple of weeks ago. And we see different servants in there. And I want to ask you a question if you remember that story, Matthew 25. Who were the servants that were celebrated as faithful and invited into the joy of their master? It was the ones who did what? Invested. They were the ones who invested and doubled what they had been given when their master was going out of town. But the one who just held on to that one talent 
he was called wicked and he was thrown out into the darkness. You know, the ones that invested were the ones that uh, were held up as faithful. Jesus used that as an example, as a story. And I think that's a good principle for us to wrap our minds around, even in our physical, worldly, uh, you know, financial lives, is it's good to make wise investments. But we know that's not the end of what he was trying to teach us, but that's also a, a point we can learn. But here's three quick reasons that you should be investing your finances. There's probably many more, but here's three quick ones. Number one, this might sound silly, but you won't be a burden on your family financially in the future because you're taking care of things. That's, that's a good thing. Number two, you can bless your family or friends in the future before you leave this earth and then maybe even after you leave this earth. You can leave an inheritance for family. You can be somebody who is just a blessing like we talked about, somebody who just gives when anything comes along if you invest wisely. And then number three, you can make a massive kingdom impact with generosity. You can be somebody who helps the gospel spread all throughout the world, like the little example I said of you hear word about a missionary who needs help or somebody who has a need. You can say, I, I can give. I can give right now. And you can be that person who literally changes lives. I have someone who, uh, you know, compared to some of the richest people out there, I'm sure she's not all that wealthy, but she was a wise manager or steward of her finances. There's a couple of women that I am in the ministry and I am here today that I was even able to go through Bible college because they were givers and they just blessed me beyond understanding. One was named Dot Bennett and one was a, na a lady named Glory B. That's what we called her. We called her Glory B. But they, see, they were so faithful, they were such good givers because they had been wise with their money and they could just give and give and give. And I can say beyond a shadow of a doubt that this church exists because of their faithfulness and their giving and their generosity. And that's the kind of person that I want to be. And so there's three quick reasons that it's good for you to invest and make wise financial decisions about your future. But with that common thread, here's what I want you to do with me. I want you to take your minds and turn to that in eternity part. You know, how are you investing in eternity? Number one is this. To find out how you're investing in your eternity, how are you investing your treasure, your money? How are you investing? I'm sorry, I'm a preacher, and so I have to do the alliteration thing, so there's going to be three T's, so just so you know. That's why I said treasure. I'm not trying to be like old school 1500s. It just, it's nice. sounds nice. But how are you investing your treasure? Are you giving to God through his church? I believe we see in scripture that's the first way that we're called to give as believers, to give through the church, to take our money together and do ministry with it. I believe that's a very vital and important thing. So are you giving, your, giving back to God through his church? Are you giving to God through random acts of generosity? Do you have money that you can give, and do you set aside some money to give to other people as they have a need, whether it be a friend or, uh, or just somebody you see, you come across a need? Are you giving and showing generosity? And it might not even just be handing somebody money. It might be the things that you can buy and help somebody with. Are you treating people to a meal? Are you giving and generous in that way? And then it might... It might seem like it would go without saying, but it's not always the case. Are you supporting your family well? Are you supporting your family to the best of your ability? Because it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
He's saying, make sure that you're supporting the people that uh, rely on you. I'm not talking about if you're, are you having financial difficulty. I'm saying, are you doing what you're called to do? Are you being a good manager of God's money? Number two, how are you investing your talents? How are you investing your talents? Are you investing your talents to serve others? Are you investing your talents in the Lord's church to serve other people? Are you investing your talents in the world? Are you investing your talents as when the needs arise? And, and this may seem, oh man, why are you talking about this kind of stuff? But I want you to know that we have abilities, we have gifts that we need to pour out into other people. People need to see the love of Jesus through us. We talk about serving a lot at this church because Jesus was a servant. And you cannot expect or plan to follow Jesus and not be a servant. So are you serving faithfully? Are you giving of your energy? Are you giving of your gifts and your talents? I always want to challenge people to think about it this way. Don't attend a church that serves. Be a part of a church that serves. You know? Don't attend a church that serves. Be a part of a church that serves. Jump in and serve. You know, when we serve the community, when we serve one another, make sure you're serving. And then the third thing is this. How are you investing your time? How we spend our time shows. It shows what we value. It was said by Tom Peters, your calendar never lies. All we have is our time. The way we spend our time is our priorities, is our strategy. Your calendar knows what you really care about. Do you? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? We talk about what's important to us, but what does our calendar, our schedule say? Even if you don't keep a calendar, what does your schedule, where does the bulk of your time go? What, it shows what you care about. It shows what you're investing in. Are you investing in people, in relationships, in things that matter beyond the here and now? Are you investing for eternity? What does your calendar, what does your schedule, what does your time say about your beliefs? If your priorities are God, family, and then everything else, is that reflected in your schedule? Take a second and think. Because most of us, if we attend church, at least on a somewhat regular basis, we'd probably say, oh yeah, God, God's my first priority. You know, then my family right after that, you know, right up there, and, and sometimes we struggle and we want to put the family first, but I'd challenge you to say that that's really the wrong way. Put God first, then your family, and then everything else comes after that. If it, what does your schedule say? Does it say, does it back up what you say? Or does it really show something else? Does God get your time first? And then is everything else and every person else filtered through that time with your God? Is your time with your family, your job, your hobbies, is all of it filtered through your time with God? Because here's something I want you to see. Okay, if you've zoned out, if I've lost you, and I apologize, this is a lot drier than I think I normally try to share a message, but it's important. But wake up for this. So you got to elbow somebody, go ahead and do that. The quality of time with others will increase if the quantity of your time with God increases. Did you read that? 
The quality of time with others will increase if the quantity of your time with God increases. If you increase the time you spend with God, the quality of every other relationship, everything you do will actually increase and get better. So what are you spending your time on? What are you investing in? Are you investing in your relationship with God? Make your faith part of everything you do. Make the most of your time. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 says this. We're going to read the scripture again in just a few minutes, but I want you to hear it and have it in your brain. It says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving to you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What God told the Israelites way back then was to just immerse everything in talks about God and about our relationship with Him. Are we investing in each other and in our kids and in our friends and in our relationships? Are we spending our time having God saturate everything that we do? If not, we're struggling. You're struggling. You may not even realize it. You maybe feel like you're running in place, but you're running in quicksand. The reason you aren't gaining momentum is because you haven't been filtering everything through God and you haven't been filling up everything with stuff about God. So invest in your family and your friends and invest Jesus into them. As we get ready to wrap things up this morning and go into our family dedication time in just a few moments, one of the things that I want to to do is I want to be able to weld both of those two investment types together. And uh, Dave Ramsey that I mentioned earlier, that's sort of one of his goals, is he challenges people to take that spiritual side and that financial side and mold them together because they're very much connected whether we realize it or not. And so a challenge that he lays out in Financial Peace University is something he did with his family. And this is basically what he said he did. He encourages other people to make it their goal. When you get to this point where you are saving well and you've got this money set aside and you're able to give like you've never given before, he said, take your family, go to a restaurant, maybe like a Waffle House, something that's not a super expensive menu. All the Waffle House is getting pretty pricey lately. Um, Go to a Waffle House or somewhere like that. Sit down with the family. Have only water. You know, don't order a whole lot of stuff. Maybe even just simply water for free. Chat up the waiter or the waitress. You know, maybe talk about Jesus a little bit. Just find out about their life. You know, try to work in some things like that. Um, And then while they are away from the table, you know, if you have to pay, make sure you pay. But if you just do water, when they're away from the table, sneak away, leaving a $1,000 tip. $1,000 tip. Go out, run to the car, sit there and watch as that person finds that tip. It says, you know, maybe leave a little handwritten note that, you know, this gift is from Jesus and that Jesus loves you. And, you know, if you want to invite him to your church, that's great too, whatever. But you watch and you sit there and you watch your whole family. I've never done it because I hadn't got there yet, but I just think about him telling that story. And it's like the whole family's just sitting there just watching, just watching, just waiting. And they watch the person, and they said almost every time that happens is that person picks up that table and they start looking around. And then you see the tears flow. And sometimes you see jumping up and down. 
And, and you just see this amazing feeling. And he said, and the whole family's sitting there, and they're boohooing, they're sobbing, they're jumping, they're shaking. And it's not because they want attention. They tried to do it as anonymously as possible. But it's so you can invest in your family for eternity and say, this is what we do. We change lives through God's power because he changed us. And we use something physical like money to help point somebody else closer to Jesus. And that's not, I know that doesn't change their life literally, but it may, who knows what God can do in a situation and what message he can bring and what message he can send. And maybe that person was at the point of giving up. We don't know. We just don't know. Just be used and be there, but make sure that everything you have, you invest it in eternity. And he said, by doing so, you invest in your family, or if you take friends along and do it, a raging desire to invest in people's eternity and to invest in your own family. So that's one of my goals. And I hope and pray it's one of yours too. But the question is, what are you investing in? Are you investing in something that lasts beyond the here and now? Are you investing in something that lasts forever? Today, if you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd love to do that with you. We'd love to take you through the, the gospel and, and baptize you into Christ because of your willingness to believe in him and turn away from your sin and confess him as Lord. We'd love to see you made new and whole again. And that's the first way you invest in eternity. But then you start to pour everything through a filter of God and let God cover over everything. But what are you investing in? I'll be over to the side if you'd like to talk or pray. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.